I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today, we will be listening to a Humanities Encounters article published in CMAJ called Leo Died the Other Day. It is written and read by Dr. Susan MacDonald. In this narrative, Dr. MacDonald reflects on her involvement in the end-of-life choices of one of her patients. Dr. Susan MacDonald is a palliative care physician and associate professor of medicine and family medicine at Memorial University in St. John's, Newfoundland. I'm Dr. Susan MacDonald. I'm reading my article, Leo Died the Other Day. Leo died the other day. Not surprising. All my patients die. But what made this different was that Leo died by suicide. And I found that startling because in Canada, euthanasia can be legal. Leo fit the criteria. He had cancer, metastatic diagnosis, and incurable. His death was reasonably foreseeable. He was suffering grievously from neuropathic pain that I had tried for five months to control. He would have been allowed medical assistance to die. But he never raised the subject. Should I have done so? In Canada, the current climate allows physicians to respond to a request for medical assistance in dying, but there is no obligation to suggest it. The legislation is based on the laws around aiding and abetting a suicide. The MAID legislation is an exemption to this law. Bringing the topic up and offering Leo this option without his suggesting it first could be interpreted as creating undue pressure or abetting suicide. A representative from my medical defense association isn't sure whether I should or should not. There is no current case law one way or the other. My college's policy doesn't discuss bringing this topic up, only informs physicians of their duty to respond to a request. In Quebec, there may be some obligation to outline this option. Even in countries where euthanasia has been allowed for a lot longer, the general feeling is that physicians should respond rather than suggest. So Leo, a single, reclusive, and intensely private man, took an overdose of his pain medication instead. His elderly mother found him, panicked, called 911. And Leo was transported to the local emergency department, his body invaded by tubes and drugs in a futile attempt to reverse what he had set in motion. He died surrounded by strangers, naked, on a gurney. His personal business known by many people he would never have wanted intruding on his life. His dignity broken. I am conflicted. As a palliative care physician, my entire career is dedicated to reducing suffering. I worked hard with Leo to alleviate his torment. The best I achieved was a few hours a day during which his pain would reduce to 2 out of 10 before it would escalate again. Increasing the dose of his fentanyl or hydromorphone or methadone or any of the other medications I tried resulted in unacceptable adverse effects. Blocks were not an option where I practice. Attempts at discussing non-physical suffering had been challenging. He was so private that he cringed at exposing his internal world. He always replied gently that he was fine, 
He was grateful not to worry. I twice arranged counseling with excellent social workers, but it didn't happen. As the anorexia worsened, so did the pain. He was skin and bone. His mother fretted constantly, hovering around him, plying him with food and drink he could barely put past his lips. Despite my teaching them both about the pathophysiology, she couldn't get past her need to save her son. I can't blame her. I literally begged Leo to come into our palliative care unit. I hoped that the intensive manipulations of his medications might help with his pain and that a break from the constant ministrations of his mother might help with the psychological burden he carried. He came in to appease me. But he hated being out of his element, surrounded by strangers. He wasn't willing to engage in psychological therapy. He left the palliative care unit early, with my consent. His performance status was good. He was still driving his car. Palliative sedation wasn't really an option. He could easily have lived many more weeks. I had a business trip coming that week and was reluctant not to be in contact with him. He assured me all was fine as he always did. Hugged me goodbye. He took his overdose while I was gone. As physicians, we know that reflective practice improves our care for the patients we serve. I reflect on this case now. Should I have broken the unspoken rules and offered May to Leo? If not, should I have asked him if he was thinking of suicide? I think our relationship was good enough that if I had spoken to him about it, offered to support him, he may have discussed it with me. Then again, remembering his intense privacy, maybe not. If he expressed to me a desire to take his own life, I could have offered to find him and spare his poor mother the horror she experienced. But nothing in our conversations triggered this line of thought on my part. I don't raise the topic of suicide as routine. Perhaps I should. What if he had told me? Would this have been abetting? Would I have been in contempt of the law? Would I have been obligated to force this man, dying on his feet from a horrible illness, to be committed to psychiatric care? Depression wasn't his problem. Suffering was. Some feel that clinicians have an obligation to explore all options with our patients, including MAID. But some of my patients will feel that I, as a physician, hold a position of power and that my statements take on extra weight. Merely listing made as one of a variety of options might be interpreted by the vulnerable as tacit encouragement. And all my patients are vulnerable and desperate and suffering. So what I say, how I say it, when I say it, can take on more life than I may mean it to. And doesn't that cause harm or is silence worse? And if I vary my practice to suit the different patients I see, is there any guarantee that I will not err? Say the wrong thing to the wrong person. Do no harm. That's that part of the oath I took when I graduated. I try to live by it. But in this case, I think I failed. That was the CMAJ Humanities article called Leo Died the Other Day. 
It was read by the author, Dr. Susan MacDonald, a palliative care physician and associate professor of medicine and family medicine at Memorial University in St. John's, Newfoundland. You can find the article on our website, cmaj.ca. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. While you're there, you can browse and listen to our many past episodes, and you can leave us a rating. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ. Thank you for listening. <music>